So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love Backup. Haha. Okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, episode four of four. This week, Tony visits Tommy on his quest to get Angela back. Priscilla gets baptized despite all the family drama. Sarah and Michael continue to fight over seeing the kids. Brittany confronts her mom about her drug use. And Lacey and Shane get more than they bargained for with their pregnancy. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going? Uh, things are going okay. Yeah. I know. We're just getting that time of year. We're just kind of starting to go along. Just going along, I know. right? I'm starting to think of the holidays already. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, to me, that always that Halloween hits and yes. Thanksgiving hits. Yep. And yeah. Hopefully, I hope we can actually do something for the holidays this year. Yep, definitely. So, uh, let's get started, and I will start off with uh, Lamar and Andrea. So, Andrea has convinced Lamar to have Priscilla baptized in an inflatable swimming pool in their backyard by Tennyson. Lamar doesn't really want her to be Mormon, but understands that Priscilla knows and is surrounded by the religion. Dulo, Lamar's brother, wants to come to the baptism, and Tennyson thinks it would be a great opportunity for an outsider to see a part of their religion. But they all know that Andrea will whoop his ass if he shows up. Lamar is blowing up the balloon in the uh, backyard, or sorry, blowing up the pool in the backyard, and leaves it unattended. He's using an electric pump, and the pool tips over and pops. Andrea is convinced that either Satan or Lamar did this on purpose. Andrea threatens to go back to Utah if he can't get this fixed right now. Lamar is frustrated and walks away and says he's done as Andrea is just like grabbing at his jacket. Lamar doesn't want Priscilla to grow up thinking he intentionally sabotaged her baptism. So Lamar is working on fixing the pool with some flex seal and tape. Another random Mormon, Richens, is helping him and says that the kind of water doesn't matter uh, and points out that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, which was has really dirty water. They finally get the pool up and running, and Dulo shows up. Andrea is mad because he was intentionally not invited. Andrea goes out to talk to Dulo in her pink taffeta puffy shirt. Andrea comes at Dulo saying that he's a bad influence on her husband and son. Dulo claims he was just joking when he offered Tennyson marijuana, and it's only funny because they all know he wouldn't say yes. Andrea realizes that Dulo is high right now, so, you know, she just kind of lets it go because it's pointless arguing with someone who's under the influence. So, uh, Andrea just doesn't trust Lamar's family, so she says they all need to stay away from her and the kids. Tennyson talks to Lamar and tells him how important it is for him to be there for Priscilla at the baptism, so Lamar ends up showing up, and they gather around the pool for the baptism. Andrea said that she is happy their families have come together and that she decided to move to California. (laughs) All right. So Dulo, he kind of jokes around and says, you know, like, oh, it was just a joke. I wasn't really going to give it to Tennyson. 
Do you think that Dulo is just kidding about the weed incident? Uh, it did not seem like a joke in the moment. It seemed yeah. like he was, it seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed like he thought that was the polite thing to do, man. You're hitting it up. Somebody's standing right next. Hey, you want some? Like that's, he just did it like that. It did not, it did not seem like a joke. It, it That reminds me so much of like what goes on, you know, either politically or online. That seems to happen mm-hmm. all the time. Like something gets taken wrong. They're like, it was just a joke. And it was like, right, it didn't really right. seem like a joke. Like, Jokes are yeah. generally funny or telegraphed or understood by the person you're talking to. Right. I kind of feel like it's one of those things where he was just, I think he would even say, like, I was just being a good host. I was being polite. That's why I offered it. But I think it's one of those things where he didn't think that Tennyson would say yes. Sure. So it was like, but it was just him being polite, right? But if Tennyson had said yes, he'd be like, oh, and he probably would have been really surprised, but he probably also would have given it to him. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think he would have been surprised. That's that's totally true. But he, I don't think he would have been like he said. I would have said, no, I would have said, get out of here. You're not supposed yes, to be doing this. Like you, you are Mormon. You're not allowed to have this marijuana. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, definitely doubt that. But, yeah, you know, I, do I don't. Too. It's weird because she she kind of throws Dulo and everybody under with his entire family, yeah. which I think is weird because we don't really see anything else from anybody in the family. So we don't know how justified that is because we both know that like just because Andrea said it doesn't mean that's actually a justifiable thing to say. Oh, my God. I know. Andrea says a lot of really bizarre, untrue things like – Lamar was possessed by Satan to pop the inflatable pool. She has a very vivid image of Satan as a, like, corporeal (laughs) being that actually, like, like, you know, I feel like most, I don't know most or many, but I kind of feel like a lot of people are like, oh, Satan is the influence of evil in the world. Not like he's a manifest thing that shows up and pops swimming pools. Yeah. To keep you from getting baptized. It's like right. I, I feel like I feel like feel like if Satan was gonna use his demonic power to stop this baptism, he could come up with something a little stronger than popping the the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah, just she says some bizarre things sometimes. And her outfit was also super weird. It was a lot of she looked like a big thing of cotton candy. Okay. I can see it that. Was just pink and fluffy. Yeah, but then everybody else was in white. And then did she change into a white outfit too for the actual ceremony? Or was she, she still have. in that pink thing? Right. Yeah, I don't think she was in that pink thing later, but Ugh. yeah, I just she is not my favorite person. Oh no, we've definitely been through that a lot of yeah. times. Like I mean, but you know what? Good for good for Lamar. Um Yeah. Because he seemed to be taking it seriously and like and not only that, because he didn't he he was kind of debating, which is silly. I think it was a weird non-debate because why would you invite your whole family there and then be like i don't know if i want to go i might stay here in the house while they do it like your brother is out there he claims that you know well they claim that the family wasn't invited but how did they know when it was then yeah he told them about it but they weren't technically invited so why would you tell somebody about something they're uh, uh, a event they're not invited to i don't know like that's just a uh, that you would typically expect to get invited to, I suppose. You right. Know? Right. So. Okay. And then Andrea, like, threatening to move back to Utah. Like, just when she does stuff like that, it's just like, it's like she can't accept that she lost this argument or she didn't get her way. 
right? Oh, the fact yeah. that they're in LA, she's still threatening all the time. Well, you know, I'm going to move back to Utah. It's like, well, why did you leave it up to vote? You need to just accept mm. the decision that was made and just go with it. It's not fair to everyone to kind of invite this instability and like, you know, like, oh, we might not live here long term. Like if I'm unhappy, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, we're going to move back to Utah. Right. You know, so we need yeah, to do totally. everything, you know, to make me happy. Nothing, nothing better for an eight-year-old kid than you constantly uh, be throwing around the threat of moving her to an entirely different state. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, not healthy for the kid. All the things that she's worried about not being healthy for the kids, like instability is the least healthy thing you can have oh, for kids. Right. That's what they need literally. Well, not literally the most. They need like food and water. But emotionally, <laughs> it's like one of the things they need the most is that stability. And her her entire like way of raising her children is to threaten them with instability. Yeah, that's – yeah, that's super true. Yeah. Oh, goodness. And then um, at the very end – so this was uh, kind of the season finale, I guess, of Life After Lockup. So implying that we're not going to see them again, if not for a while. So they did try to wrap things up. So, you know, they're kind of like, oh, you know, in the future, like our family, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything's great. Kumbaya. I'm glad I made the decision to move back to California. And it was just like – Oh, Andrea, like, she just, she thinks she's, like, the smartest, best thing that's happened to this family and that she right. is, and, like, the source of all wisdom. Well, and, and, and right. And it's just, like, and she's going to take credit for a good yes. idea, whether it's her good idea or not. Sure. Like, that was she clearly it not her idea. Because she allowed yeah. it. At the end of the day, I allowed this to happen. And yep. it's like, so uh, it was my Everybody decision. else dragged you to California. And you're like, see, yeah. I allowed them to drag me to California. Right. Well, and it's just and it does the same thing on the because they, they finish up everybody's segments with the little like words on the screen. Right. Because it's yes. the finale. And the words for them was like, you know, Tennyson doesn't want to go on his mission, but she's making him go on his mission. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like that's got to be postponed by now. You would think you would think because it'd be hard. I don't know because they, obviously they do missions both in the country and out of the country. So I don't know yeah. where he would go on his mission. Yeah. But it would be hard to go out of the country because it's hard to get anywhere from the U.S. right now. Right. It's going to take you. But I do know there's some missionaries that like just work in like the offices in Utah. Okay. So I could see something like that being okay. But I mean – but. Everyone can't work in the offices in Utah, right? Right. So right. it's I kind guess, of like I mean, I guess if you went somewhere because I think even like the travel restrictions for Americans is still like you can come, you have to quarantine for two weeks, but you can come. And so right. they, they could probably pull something like that where they you but know But I would think that even like cause you know, the ones that go door door to door. Yeah. Like I can't imagine a whole lot of people are gonna want to open their door to randoms at this point. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even deliveries, they're trying to make all that contact list because, you know, people don't want to open the doors to random people. Yeah. I, 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 I don't even want to do – I went the same way, but it, I'm not even worried about, like, catching someone from this. Like, I don't want to give the delivery person anything. If I'm infected, like, just leave it at the door and I'll get it later, man. I'm not going to – I don't want him to have to come in contact with all these other people. Right, right. All right. Okay. So let's go to ah, – let's go to Angela and Tony. So Tony surprises Tommy. So it's back to our old Jerry Springer looking Tommy. (laughs) 
by pulling up to his house unannounced to ask if he can have a conversation. Tony is looking for some advice on how to get Angela back. And Tommy knows Angela better than anyone. We'll come back. So he's (laughs) sucking it up and asking Tommy. Of course, Tommy's advice is for Tony to just give up and move on. Tommy wants Angela to be happy and tells Tony that the best way for that to happen is for Tony to just move along. Tony, of course, doesn't buy this and implies that Tommy just wants him gone so he can have a shot. So Tommy can have a shot with Angela again. At that point, Tommy starts getting really heated, prompting Tony to just knock over his stool. Then Tommy just drops the bomb about Ross, how she's video chatting with him today and she's been talking with him the whole time they were together. And he also reminds Tony that legally he and Angela are not married because she never filed the papers. Tommy tells him that it's over and done. But Tony is really upset about Angela's relationship with Ross since, quote, it's not an open relationship and we're not swingers. <laughs> or mind how many people he slept with while they were going I out. Know, but uh-huh. right? So then Tony comes banging on Angela's door, demanding to come inside, where he yells at her about this new guy she's seeing. She tells him that it's none of his business anymore because he had his chance. And so then he knocks down the camera. Tony's just knocking stuff down all over the place here. <laughs> They keep showing us shots from the knockdown camera and then the truth comes out. Tony calls her a trifling hypocrite because he considers this relationship she had with Ross to basically be an affair. He says he's trying very hard to make the marriage work and poured his heart out to her. Angela says that Ross is a friend, but Tony is like, that's how it starts. That's how you and I started. But then it's more than that. And she ends up telling him that she loves Ross and is emotionally drained from all his bullshit and kicks him out. Back in his hotel room, Tony is trying to call Angela, who seems to be ignoring his calls. He believes that this thing with Ross is just her way of getting revenge on him. He still loves her and thinks it's just a matter of time before she takes him back. Because they have history, they are best friends, and she loves the sex. They fake us out by showing Angela answering after Tony dials, but she picks up and it's Ross. He's calling from jail. God. <laughs> He says he's in jail because he met he because he had matched the description, got handcuffed by the cops for an hour before they started beating it up, and then char- charged him with assaulting an officer and resisting arrest. Which, to be fair, are the charges on his arrest paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Angela is at least he didn't lie about that. Yeah. Angela is pretty mad, and she he says he's going to fight these allegations because, according to him, they just started beating the crap out of him while he was handcuffed for no reason. <laughs> Angela wants to figure out why he's – how does this always happen? How does he end up on the bad side of the police all the time? He wants her to stand by – he wants her to stand by him, but she says she can't do another jail sentence, by meaning a relationship with someone's in jail. Angela's not going to jail yet, I guess. But for the <laughs> final update, at, at the end, they put the words on there. They tell us that Tony hasn't given up on Angela and Angela hasn't given up on love as she knocks on a – motel room door that looks suspiciously like tony's motel oh god so what do you think we'll start it there at the end was it tony's motel yeah probably (laughs) i'm gonna say yes because the only reason why angela has stayed away at this point is because she's had options yep if she had no other options then yeah she's gonna you know try again with tony because it's like she's incapable of being alone. Totally. Or she's incapable of making healthy decisions like a being with Tommy. Right. 
Well, that's what I thought too was funny. It's like, okay, of all the people that I would go back to the beginning, of all the people, Tony, that you want to go to ask advice on how to get together with Angela, Tommy's not a good one. He doesn't no, know what he's, he's not. He's going to low-key sabotage you. Like, would you even trust the advice he gave you? Yeah, he A, he's you know he's trying to sabotage you, which Tony even brings up. But B, even if you trusted that he was being upfront and he was being frank and he was being honest with you, Tommy does not know how to get together with Angela. If Tommy oh, knew how obviously. to get together with Angela, he would be together with Angela. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, very true. Tommy doesn't have a good track record, so you're going to go to him. But you know what I really think it is? I think it's one of those things where he thinks that he can not necessarily get advice from Tommy, but I think that he thinks that Tommy will go and tell Angela that Tony tried to talk to him. So it'll kind of like almost in a way put in a good word Uh so that she'll talk to him. Oh, yeah, he's trying really hard. He really wants you back. Yeah, Yeah, he even talked to me. Right. Yeah, I I, I think that's a little bit of it. Um, Yeah, because it also is... I don't know. It's almost like that double thing. Like, I feel like if if Tommy did that, which is what he wanted him to do, mm-hmm. then that would make Angela, like, more likely to be interested in Tony. Like, it's weird the way, like, if the more Tommy goes and says, I think you need to stay away from this Tony guy, like, oh, that yeah. makes it more likely that she's going to be back with Tony. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if Tony is smart enough to really, like, think that far ahead. Yeah, it's a little bit too, too many chess moves for Tony there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tony's not that conniving. Right. Uh, it requires a bit of intelligence to be that conniving. And right. I just don't think he has that. So he has a weird definition of, like, relationships, too. Because, I mean, it's not an open relationship. There's not swingers. But he's still allowed to, like, bang hookers? All the time? Like, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, so I think this is where him and Angela just are not seeing eye to eye, right? Like, if you were to kind of think about, you know, like being in a relationship and what your definition of cheating is, okay? And then think about what would you think is worse, an emotional cheating or physical cheating, right? Mm-hmm. I think they both of them would have two different answers. To him, it sounds like the emotional cheating is way worse than physical cheating. And right. to Angela, the physical cheating is way worse than the emotional cheating. And so because they both don't agree, that's how they can both say that the other person was more wrong than they were, right? Right. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I guess specifically I was talking about the part where he's like, I don't like the idea that she's sleeping with this guy. And it's like, you don't – there you don't have a leg yeah, to stand on, Tony. Right. Yeah, absolutely Sorry. not. Because the other thing is he says, he's like, I left those whores behind. It's like, did you really? <laughs> was that your choice? Or was this more of a matter of circumstance? Because right. I kind of feel like, yes, you left them behind because you had to. Right, right. Yeah, I don't Uh, think he would choose just as Angela wouldn't choose to be alone. No, yeah, Angela wouldn't choose to be alone. But yeah, Angela wouldn't stop talking to – because she – she. I mean she – let's be frank. She strung Ross along this whole time. Yeah, definitely. And she was like, every time I was upset, I went and talked to him. Like that's also – that makes it kind of worse, right? Like it's one thing – it's also one thing to be like cheating on someone in affairs. But if you're like, oh, every time things were bad between us, I went and slept with this person in particular (laughs) – like, right. Or, then right. it would be like, oh, so that's, I don't know, that as bad as it is, it's like, oh, so this wasn't just something that like was existed and you try to remain friends with them and maybe it was a little bit 
thing and you tried to be friends, but it didn't work out like that or it got a little more emotionally involved. This was like, oh, no, this was someone who you like wanted to make sure every time we had a fight that they were still there as backup. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah, I think she was, you know, venting to uh, Ross because she wanted to feel like better about herself that someone was there. So I definitely think that was part of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I totally get it. But it's, just, it's just something you can't do in a relationship. Like you, everybody yeah. wants to feel wanted, right? And yes. it's a real easy kind of fix to have someone you know you can turn to and get that feeling of feeling wanted. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in a relationship with somebody else, that's that's some that's some dicey, dicey areas. Yeah, definitely. So when Tony went in and he was having his confrontation with Angela – I was just like the music they were playing, like the looks. I was like, this is like some bizarre low budget soap opera, right? It was. Now. It was. They were both being really hammy about it. Like, oh my and the gosh, fact that the he acting kno- was so bad. That he knocked over the camera and then like they were fil- they were showing it from the they were editing it so the knocked over camera was still in it. It's like, I don't know, Tony. I loved him. <laughs> Oh, did you? It was, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I was like, oh my gosh, these two should not be actors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about Ross going back to jail. Okay. I was kind of like annoyed with the fact that he is trying to make himself out to be a victim. Okay, and let me just preface this part of our conversation by saying... I am not by any means saying that this is not something that could have happened, right? Sure, yes. Do police beat up on random people and kind of like, you know, try overstep their authority in some ways? Sure. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I find it really interesting that, you know, every time like I personally hear about a situation like this, like with people that like I've come across, not even like news stories. Right. It's like those people like kind of are the kinds of people who tend to get in trouble a lot, you know? And it's like they somehow make themselves out to be a victim. Like I'll give you two really quick examples. I have a friend who had like a bazillion DUIs mm-hmm. and he was convinced the police were out to get him specifically. And it's like, well, yeah, you're driving like an asshole drunk. Like, you know, yes, the police are like, you know, trained to look for that stuff. Yes, you're going to get pulled over every single time, you know. But he was convinced they were out to get him specifically. Mm-hmm. Then I know this other guy who like he had his car impounded and uh, the police like found a knife in his car. And he's all claiming like, oh, th- all I was doing was standing around in the parking lot and they illegally searched my car and like found this knife. And it's just like, and so they impounded my car and it's just like, I feel like you're forgetting some steps. The police don't just go up to random people and are like, hey, you, I'm going to illegally search your car right now and I'm going to find something that could be bad. And, and yeah, and that, and yeah, I, the other part is, I mean, part of it is I also see this perspective as a teacher a lot, right? Yeah. Is I see yes. a ton of kids, I got suspended because I didn't turn in my homework. And it's like, no, you got suspended because you didn't have your homework. And when the teacher asked for it, you cussed them out and then you pushed over <laughs> a desk and then ran outside the door. And they're like, well, if they didn't ask me for it, I wouldn't have, it's like, <laughs> 
Yeah, but it is funny how some people like almost rewrite history in their own heads Mm -hmm. where they like take out all the parts that they did anything wrong or or were to blame or anything like that. Because I highly doubt that Ross was just walking down the street and then all of a sudden the police are like, that's the guy we've been looking for. Like arrest him on the spot. Just pin him down and then start beating him up. I'm sure there was questioning at some to point. Be, uh, and both both of us are on the same page. We're not saying p- police brutality isn't real. And we're not saying right. that doesn't happen. But no. in the case of this, I don't know. I, there's no evidence either way. Like, I don't trust. I have, There's no reason to trust Ross's word on what no. happened. And that's the only word we have in the story. Right? We don't even have okay. the other side of the story. So this is how I envision it going down, right? Did they think Ross matched the uh, description of some guy who was running around doing... Yes, absolutely, okay? So that's probably why he got stopped. Do I think Ross was sass-mouthing them and being like, I I know my rights, you can't, like, and, like, not cooperating with them, not giving them answers, not giving them ID, like, not cooperating whatsoever? Yes, Did the police maybe, like, say, well, we're going to take you in for questioning then. You can't make me go anywhere, blah, blah. Like, that's how I see this going down, right? He was being super uncooperative, even answering the most basic of questions to clear his name at the beginning. That's how I kind of, like, guess, you know? So it all started off innocently enough. Right. Well, being part of of this is, is like, and that's what bothered me because I actually got stopped recently. Because mm-hmm. I matched the description, right? When I was walking sure. around my, my neighborhood. And like part of what's frustrating about that is the description was white man, six foot. <laughs> All right. That's pretty much everyone. <laughs> There's a lot of people that match that description. Like you yeah. could have picked any of these people and stopped them. And I'm sure like, yes, I'm sure he wasn't the most cooperative. Now that, that, that said, sassing to a police officer is not like a cr- something that should be punished by getting the shit beat out of you. Yeah. So Yeah, no, that's true too, but at the same time, you know that police officers do not like it when people are going to be all sass mouth to, right? And so they're not going to be super kind or polite back. So, yeah, that's kind of how I see it going down. So, how did you clear your name, Mr. O? Uh, I cleared my name because there was actually one more part of the description. It was blue eyes, and I have brown eyes. Oh, that's it? You're like, look at my eyes. <laughs> like, I was literally it. He was like, uh, he was he was ready to be like, I think we might want to come with us. He was like, take off your sunglasses. And I took off my sunglasses. And he was like, all right, you're good. Like, <laughs> okay. It's like, fine. You're like, mm. Okay. He's like, oh yeah, the, the guy, the guy just in the description, he had blue eyes. I was like, all right, thank you. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and so like, and that's, that's what, and that's part of the reason I get it. Like, I get it's scary as hell. Yeah, like, it really is scary, and and like I get that not everybody, some people are not going to react to that fear in a way that's going to be most conducive to, like, tamping down the situation, and. Honestly, the the cops should be trained to do that. They should tamp down the situation. So, yeah, I don't want to yeah. get the I don't want everybody to get the idea that we're both like no, no. I I mean, there's definitely good cops and bad cops. Like you know, just with with every kind of person, you know. But it's you know, I also feel like people who have nothing to hide, it's they're not as defensive, right? So maybe yeah, maybe the person they were looking for wasn't Ross. 
right? But maybe Ross had drugs on him or his stupid BB gun that he admitted to the stupid, that, to. That's what that's my thing is I think I, it seems to me he was afraid they were going to find that gun that yes. he said he had last time that he wasn't that legally allowed to have. allowed to have. Yeah. And so then he probably got all weird and paranoid because of that. And that's why he wasn't being cooperative, right? So I could kind of see something like that. And so it's kind of like, yeah, your average Joe who's running around who's 100% innocent of any crime is probably going to handle that situation a lot better than someone who has something to hide, even if it's not as serious a crime as they're being stopped for. Yeah, I mean, clearly Angela didn't buy it. Like, that's yeah. that's for sure. Right. Okay, uh, moving on. Let's talk about uh, Brittany and Marcelino. So Brittany's sister, Nikki, takes her turn yelling at her mom about her stolen debit card and her purchases at the Speedy Mart. Brittany accuses her mom of having dilated pupils, and Cindy, her mom, says that, well, she just woke up. Brittany thinks that Cindy is on synthetic heroin. Brittany tells us that she understands addiction, and it wasn't until she was alone and hit rock bottom that she knew she needed to change. Finally, Cindy admits that she took some pills and says that she was just hurting so bad. Cindy says that she just can't live in pain like this. Brittany says that she has a problem and she needs to get help. Brittany says that she's going to give her mom space to get her life together, and her mom feels like they are all abandoning her, and so she just feels really angry. Brittany puts on a hard front for her mom, but she's emotional in her interview. She's upset that she will never have the relationship she wants with her mom. Nikki doesn't think her mom is going to change, so she thinks that, you know, moving back to Alaska will be good for her. But Nikki is concerned about leaving Las Vegas because she doesn't know what to do with her furniture, the pets, and her lease. Brittany tells her that they have to be strong and try to break the cycle. They both decide that they have to tough love and not support their mom so she will realize that she has to change. Brittany and Marcelino's family is later seen chilling in the newly done backyard. Marcelino says it's worth every penny, and Brittany admits that wanting to move was a bad idea. Marcelino has gone through the same thing with his mom and says that they just have to choose sobriety for themselves. Brittany insists that they are not abandoning or leaving her mom, but giving her space to find herself. All right, so Cindy says that, you know, the reason why she was taking the pills is because she was still in pain. But at this point in her life, it seems like things are pretty good. Like her, she's surrounded by family who's loving and supporting her. What do you think that she's really in pain over? I I mean, I, so a lot of opioid addictions start with literal like pain, like actual, oh, okay. like something that's wrong with your body that hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, and, and I, I just wonder if there's something we don't know about, some sort of injury, some sort of condition that she has that actually mm-hmm. is causing her pain that she's mm-hmm. doing this. But I also don't know about that because at least the story I've heard from um, somebody I know who worked in an addiction center is all addicts complain about pain. Yeah. Because yeah. like they're just all the That's pain. how they get their prescription. Well, no, no, no. I mean like they don't understand like like a lot of it is like they, they, they take these drugs and they're numb all the time. Mm-hmm. body wise so like all the little aches and pains and the, the you know my back always hurts when i get up and all that stuff they're just like oh my god this hurts and like, ah and everybody's just like that's just life that's like, normal that's just normal <laughs> and they're like what and that, so they're not used to dealing with the little pains like actual physical pain that like everybody just deals with and they just move along with like and so i, I it's, it's, i'm not surprised she said that that's definitely something i've heard that and I don't have a ton of experience with addiction, so definitely sure. take everything I say with a gigantic grain of salt. Sure, 
but I've definitely heard that story and that they is that people, especially people who are recovering addicts, complain about pain a lot. Like, and it's yeah. not emotional pain, like physical pain. Right, because I was thinking emotionally, things are pretty good for her right now. But yeah. physically, yes. I mean, she's a little bit older. I can tell you that, like, I'm not as old as Cindy, but I wake up and my hip hurts, like, half the time. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, things are not always so comfortable for me. And right. so I can only imagine if I, when I'm Cindy's age, that things are going to, maybe be my even, other hip be, will start hurting. Even Who worse. Knows? There's going to be whole days <laughs> yeah. when you're like, why does my clavicle hurt? I don't even know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, Brittany says she's basically been addicted for 50 years. And right. that's just, that's tough. Like, I kind of agree with Nikki. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for her to change. Yeah, and, and but Marcelino was right, too. Like, it, there's literally nothing they can do external to her that's going right. to make her change. Like, she has yeah. to want to change herself. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. She does have to want to change herself. And I I think, like, leaving her alone is their best chance yeah. of getting her to realize that. But I can also see, like, now you're putting in some emotional pain, right? The emotional pain of losing your family. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, especially if she's trying to do this on her own. I mean, yes. I mean, that's and that's the risk you take. And that's why it's so emotionally hard. There's a chance that she realizes things that are, are so bad and she hits rock bottom and she gets better. And there's a chance you get a call from the morgue at two in the morning. Like yeah. both of those could happen. Yeah, that reminds me of that uh, Steve Carell movie where his son is an addict um, and it's like pretty much like through kind of like it's based on a true story. I saw it. It was so, so sad, Mm -hmm. but it was just that like at one point, you know, the therapist had told him you got to cut him off. You have you know? to. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, but it's it's just so tough when you like see the people you love going through this. Right. And it was, I, I really felt, I, I mean, I've of all the people, we feel bad for everybody involved on it, uh, yeah. obviously. But like, especially Nikki, like she was like, her name is on that lease. Like, yeah. and she had like animals and stuff. And I know people get really attached to their animals. Right. But like, I get to get your name off that lease because you can't leave her there. It, there is a lot of stuff. And she's 21. Like yeah. that's, a, that's a lot she's of stuff. She's just starting out. She's that's, just starting tough. out. That's so hard. To have your credit ruined yeah. like for seven years. Like that's, yeah, yeah. that's going to be tough for her to dig out of. It really is. I mean, and Brittany's point sure. was like, well, I have four felonies, so I know what it's like to dig oh, out Oh, I stuff. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I really like Brittany. Yeah. You know, it is, is funny to kind of think back and be like, oh, Brittany was an addict because it does. It seems like she's got, she's come so far mm-hmm. from where she's been. Right. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. A success story. For right. Sure. All right. Yeah. So maybe not so successful is Sarah and Michael. Oh, God. You're definitely not. All right. <laughs> All right. So we pick up right where we picked, left off last time. Michael comes into the party for Rain, her first birthday party, carrying lots of big gift bags and tells us Sarah's giving is hypocritical tells us Sarah's being hypocritical as he gives the girls a hug he keeps telling us in an interview that he's there for the kids and since Malcolm doesn't have anything to do with the kids he can play goofy if he wants to whatever that means that's not an expression I've heard before it looks like Malcolm Malcolm's plan is just hang in the corner by the pizza and whenever Michael is ready to introduce himself that's fine Michael's plan just seems to be to avoid looking Malcolm in the eyes. 
He's, they say he stays for around 20 minutes and then tries to pull an Irish goodbye. But Sarah saw him leaving and follows him out to the parking lot. And they have, you know, the predictable argument. Michael says it's wrong that she choose this day, she chose this day to introduce her new man. And Sarah says, I didn't choose today to introduce my new man. You chose today for me to introduce my new man um, because you wouldn't take any of my calls or get here when you were supposed to. Then there's a lot of cussing and no one's mind is even close to being changed. So Michael drives off complaining about Sarah bringing someone around his kids that's not supposed to be around his kids. And then back at the party, Malcolm tells us that he feels bad for the kids because they seemed really excited when Michael showed up and he just ghosted them. Michael calls his dad, though, to see what dad has to say, because Michael says that his dad always tells him like real talk stuff. So dad says that leaving was preferable, was preferable to going ziggity boom like he used to. Michael says he'll probably roll up and get the girls, you know, the next day from Sarah. But dad says, man, that's probably not a good idea to just roll up there. Maybe you should call first. And Michael agrees that that's probably the best course of action. So next we see Malcolm and Sarah reviewing the whole day. Malcolm has his concerns and he asks what's up with the screaming and yelling outside because based on what he saw in the interactions between Sarah and Michael, um, that isn't over yet. And that Sarah is not over Michael. Sarah wants him to trust her and says she's over Michael and says it to re- – and, you know, when he asks her to, she says that she is over Michael to reassure him. But then soon Michael calls and they have the same argument they had in the parking lot but at a lower tone. But after they're done having their discussion, he asks if he can come by and get the girls basically right now. So he can do something with them. It seems to be like bedtime, like they're in their pajamas and everything already. Sarah is like, it's really late and Malcolm is here. So how about no? Then Michael says, I'm coming and you can't tell me what to do, which is weirdly where the episode ends. Like, I, it feels like we left before the climax of this part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was confused too. I thought, I was like, am I missing something? I was confused. Um, I was all extra confused because then in the update section... They tell us that Sarah and Malcolm are still dating, but that and that Michael is refusing to leave New York until he sees his daughters. So how much time has passed? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, they they haven't even been in pandemic times. Like no one was wearing masks. They were obviously it's still allowed. It's clearly to have... winter outside when they're like when yeah, they're having their argument. They're, yeah, they're obviously at a birthday party, so it's like. Six, eight months, nine months. He's just been hanging in New York being like, I want to see my kids. Because my understanding, it sounded to me like she was like, on this phone conversation, she was like, can we just see your girls tomorrow? They're going to bed. Malcolm's here. Yeah. Just come by tomorrow. But it's still like, right. no, I still hasn't seen him. Yeah. I was confused. Oh, I mean, maybe she just said that for the camera. Who knows? Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Also, she still hasn't filed the divorce papers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> My goodness. Like, what are you waiting? I don't know what she's waiting for. I don't get it. Does she need the I, money? I, Is it the money? It could be the money. It just could be, like, she knows it's going to be a battle about the custody. Right now, I feel like she can kind of keep the kids away from him. And no one can really tell her otherwise. But, like, if you go through the whole, like, divorce process, then there's going to be a custody agreement, right? And so... Right, but right you now... Can't keep uh, right now, it's it, that's... That's a legal gray area whether she can keep the kids away from him right now. If he wants to, if he right. wants to lawyer up and say no, she has to let me see my kids now. Like that's going to be tough because there is no custody agreement, which means 
he does get to see his kids. <laughs> right. But I also feel like she knows he, how is he going to get the money to get a lawyer? Right. You know? That's Unless what I'm saying. So some more it, seems like, it seems like right now, like if, if what you're concerned about is getting that full legal and physical custody, he can't mm-hmm. fight you. He's not going to be able to have a lawyer to fight you. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's such a hypocrite, though. Like, he wanted Maria to meet the girls. Yeah. And then he's flipping out over Malcolm meeting the girls. It's just like, I don't understand how people can't even look at their own stuff and realize, like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. this situation seems a bit familiar. I mean, he's just in this. Yes. The the idea of it, like, I don't want this man meeting the girls when he was when. He was trying to introduce his girlfriend to the girls? Yes. Yeah. Totally hypocritical. But it's totally reasonable to be like, how about I don't meet this new guy at her birthday party? But sure. that was his fault. She tried to yes. introduce it. She tried to arrange that so he didn't have to meet him at the birthday party. But that's what you get when you're like, it's just the same thing we said last time. How do you ignore 20 calls from somebody and then get mad at them that they didn't tell you something? Like, yeah. Like, how was she supposed to tell you? You didn't. You just and and he just has this idea of it, like this unearned trust. Like, cause he, cause she said, I didn't even know you were gonna be here until four minutes ago, right? Until you yeah. actually called me four minutes ago, and he's like, but I told you I was gonna be here, and it's like, like and it's right, like, but you say a lot of things. Yeah, you yeah. say a lot of things. Can we? He just had no recognition of all the times he's all the other times he said he would do something, and he just doesn't understand. But I said I would, so I don't understand why he didn't. Why you didn't know I was going to be here? That doesn't make any sense. And it's like because so you told me you were coming up here ten times and never showed up. Why would I believe you're coming on the eleventh time? And he just can't get out of his own head. And he's just like because I meant it that time. Like what? he just has that 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 brain disease where he can't understand that other people have minds that are independent of his, God, right? And know, so right? he just thinks if I knew I was coming, how did you not know I was coming? That, yeah. Oh, he's so terrible. Okay, speaking of terrible people, uh, Lacey is at her doctor's appointment after five weeks of the uh, from the IVF. Uh, Shane is waiting outside and talks about how he didn't grow up with any of his blood relatives due to his parents' problems with drugs and prison. So he said that's why it's so important for him to just have one healthy child. He says he would be maybe happy if there were two. The doctor is being very secretive about news she wants to share with Lacey and Shane. So the doctor sits the both of them down and tells them that one of the eggs split, so now they have three babies. Lacey is speechless and just keeps laughing and smiling. Shane just looks confused, shocked, and terrified. He's also worried that this will put Lacey at risk. They immediately drive to Lacey's dad's house, John, to tell him the news. The kids are all there, and they gather around, and Lacey breaks the news, saying she's pregnant. John thinks that the timing isn't the best. When the kids leave the room, Shane breaks it to John that there are really three babies in there. John's reaction is, oh, Jesus. (laughs) John points out that it's a lot to handle, and they're going to have to get a bigger house and a bigger car. John is worried about Shane stepping up and being a good provider. He's not worried about Lacey because she handles her shit. Shane hopes that there is a sack of money in her uterus too. Shane is practicing holding three stuffed animals, you know, thinking that they're the babies, but he accidentally drops one. Of course. So Uh even though he has no experience with babies, 
as the dropping of the stuffed animal shows, Lacey is encouraged by Shane's enthusiasm and thinks that, you know, he's going to be a good dad. All right. So this is a disaster in the making. Oh, we so can bad. already see. So right? bad. Yes. Three babies. I cannot even like fathom or even begin to imagine the kind of stress that they're going to go through. And they have already had kind of a volatile relationship where it seems like it's been on and off, you know, where one of them has threatened to leave the other for various reasons. Uh So who do you think will give up on the other first when the babies get here? Oh, that's a good question. I think that... I think that Shane is not going to get as much attention as he thinks he deserves. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a total thing that he is, as a young guy who has no experience with babies, he has no idea how much, he's thinking about how much work three babies is going to be for him. But let's be honest, Lacey's going to do most of the work. Like, it's going to be what, 80-20? Would you guess? (laughs) Like, Lacey's work is work? I feel like it's got to be more split if you have three. Like maybe if there was one, right? But that's just not possible. I, but you know what? So she is basically going to be. She was going to for months, up to a year at least, not going to be able to pay attention to him hardly at all, right? Right. And he's just. Yeah. I don't think he's going to take that well. I just don't. I, I. Yeah. He definitely. It definitely strikes me as. And maybe he'll get there eventually, but he is nowhere near there right now. And the three at once is going to be crazy. That like, It is. Like, he's another child for her right now. Yeah. I can kind of see, like, Lacey getting really frustrated and wanting to leave first. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely see that. But at the same time, to her, what would the point of kind of driving him away be? It just means she would have to be doing it all on her own, right? right? So I feel like she's just going to like pretty much make his life a living hell just by taking out all the stress and frustration on him. And then he's going to end up leaving because then he's just like, well, I get to escape having to take care of the babies. And like, you know, as a guy, he kind of feels like he can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because yeah. it, yeah, it, because the one thing I would say is they kind of, you know, John is always here too, right? Yeah. Floating around the background. One thing I'd Are you say talking about, about John the dad or John? No, the John the boyfriend, John. John. Okay. Okay. Is that um, I, he, one thing he's never shown any interest in at all is the children. Even a little bit. <laughs> okay. Like he is interested in Lacey, right? But yeah. like he doesn't, it, at least it looks like Shane wants to raise these children Right. right and and like right. wants to wants to be a dad i think he's and that's what i worry about shane is that he's just he's playing a, he's like almost acting like he's playing the role this is what i feel like dad should talk like and i am trying to mm-hmm. die and i guess at a, for a certain extent it is totally a fake it till you make it situation like that's yeah. pretty much what being a, being a parent is is you, nobody uh-huh. has any idea what they're doing when they start sure. um i just don't know if he's gonna be able to learn like that's what i worry about that's him. a lot like Okay, within a year, Shane has acquired, like, six kids. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't even, like, a six one at a time. Let's ease you into it. It's yeah. like, well, okay, maybe in the span of two years, it's been, like, 
six kids like that is a lot you you started off with either three and then all of a sudden you have three more that is like an insane amount of kids the triplets on their own is just crazy right yeah and and, uh, the third kid on its own is already a thing right because that that was that's that's been the old parent joke is when you have one kid you can double team the kid Right. right. When it's two kids, you can play man to man. One on one. Right. But when it's three kids, you got to go into a zone. Like, you do kids. Like, now they outnumber right. you and it's thing. And, like, my thing is when you have six kids, how do you transport them anywhere? Right. You ha- Yeah. That's what John was saying. He's like, you're going to have to get a bigger car. Like, I don't know. Like, not even a minivan. No, a minivan has five Seven? seats. Oh, God. A minivan has two seats in the middle row and three seats in the back. And you can't get three like newborn car seats in that back seat. So um, even a minivan would not fit that family. And so I don't even know what you buy. I have no idea. You have to go and you have to drive in separate cars. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere you go. It's, it's crazy. It's so hard. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. I just, Oh, this couple, like, they brought it on themselves, like, and I actually can also see Lacey just being super resentful about this whole situation when things get tough because Lacey did not want to have any kids. Like, that's a pretty serious thing. If you're like, I so badly don't want to have kids yeah. that I'm getting my tubes tied, like, that's kind of a big deal unless there was some other medical reason for her doing it. She's just like, I'm serious about never having kids again. Yeah. And then she, like, you know, loves someone and she's like, okay, I just really want to make them happy. So right. I'm going to have one more child for them. And then all of a sudden you're strapped with three more kids. Like, I, I'm, this is just a recipe for resentment in their future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Because at, at certain point, you worry about him, her being like, "These are your kids. You're the one who yeah. wanted these kids. I didn't even you wasn't my idea." Them. Yeah. yeah. So, and and that's not even getting to the weird, different family dynamics of the different kids of the different ridiculously different ages. With oh my god, yeah, yeah. And then I, don't I mean, know, this is just, so ridiculous too. Considering it's just like she sh- just because they were trying to save money on IVF. This is the reason why they have three kids, right? Well, I mean, they could have had two. That's just it. Could have been the it could have been the first one that they <laughs> that that split, yeah. Yeah. which is fine. You know, like even two kids, you're kind of like, oh, okay. It's like, but especially like what you're saying about being outnumbered. But if you're being outnumbered by the babies, like just the babies alone, yeah, right? just the babies That's alone. So it's bad. like, oh my god, because you have to like, like, I, just I mean, I could, I'm confident that I could do it. I would be miserable with triplets. I, yeah, I, not I, now. I, I could, thought you were done having kids. Oh, I'm done. I'm done having kids. I'm saying if something, you know, ridiculous happened and like I had three triplets at my door, like <laughs> I could manage to raise them and not. I would be miserable the whole time, though. I feel like, like that would have to be your full time job. It, it almost does, and that's the thing too. And... Is is you're talking about not having enough money for it. They don't have enough time for it. Yeah, like, to do that because there's no way you can have daycare. Like right. daycare itself is almost, almost cost the full time job. You're going to pay it three times. No, somebody's going to stay home. Right. Oh, yeah, so crazy. crazy. All right. Is that the end? Okay. All right. Yep, that's the end. That wraps up uh, this season of our four episode life after lockup. So, who did you have as? Oh, did you want to do power rankings? 
Uh, no, we've already ranked these exact. We've ranked these exact people last time. Yeah. 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 All right. So, student of the week. Then, um, my student of the week is Lamar. Right for. Okay. I don't know, playing along, but playing nice. You know, doing mm-hmm. su- supporting his daughter with something yeah. that his daughter clearly wanted. Right. That right. wasn't. It wasn't for him, and it wasn't what he wanted. And he didn't even do it. I think you. I think it's a hundred percent true. He didn't do it because Andrea wanted it. Like he did it because Priscilla wanted it, and yeah. he played along. And he came. He came to it. Like that would have been. That would have been really crappy. And Tennis was right if he was like stood in the house and was like, "I'm not just Mormon nonsense." So doing that, you know, participating, helping. So being being a overall good good dad with this with this experience. Yeah. All right. So my student of the week is Brittany. Like, for just being the mom to her sister, essentially, and giving her sound advice, trying to make sure that she's taken care of and set up, and then kind of knowing what to do with her mom and everything that Brittany has gone through that's got her where she is today, like battling her addiction, uh, you know, being at a good place in her life, having her life on track, having, like, a healthy family. Like, yeah, she's... She's doing good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Class dunces. All right. What about your dunce? Michael. Okay. Yeah. I say Michael. Um, so my specific reason, it wasn't something we had actually specifically talked about. I don't think he wants to see these girls. I don't, I think, don't he, think so either. I don't think he wants them as part of his life. Like, I think he wants to sound like he's the type of guy. Yes. who. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of when my kid played basketball. My daughter played basketball for one year. And mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't for her, not because she wasn't good at it, but because it wasn't for her. And I knew it wasn't for her because she was really good at knowing exactly where on the court to stand to make it look like she was like involved in the game. So she wasn't like way off in the corner, like doing nothing, but also <laughs> knew that the ball wouldn't come to her. Like she was good at standing right at, close enough behind the play where it looked like she was involved. But she also knew that the risk of her having to actually touch the ball or do anything was really low. <laughs> okay. And so right. Michael reminds me of that because he keeps trying to see his daughters in these situations where he knows the answer is going to be no. Yeah. And so he can he's going to call at nine o'clock at night and say, let me come get them now. He's going to just randomly show up at the birthday four minutes beforehand because he doesn't want to look like the bad guy who said no. But he's also doing it. He's putting himself in a position where the risk of actually having to deal with these two bi- these two kids isn't going to happen. And he can say, well, it's her fault. She wouldn't let me see him. Hmm. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. But yeah, that's an excellent point. All right. So my dunce is actually Ross. And it's mostly because he was so shocked that he got arrested. And we already found out the first time that we met him that he's already doing kind of illegal things by having possession of a BB gun, which goes against his uh, probation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just like, this guy, it's like, why are you so confused that you're getting in trouble when you're doing devious things? Sure. All right. Okay. Life lessons. Here's my life lesson. It's for Shane. Mm -hmm. When you have triplets... You don't have to hold all of them at the same time or <laughs> breastfeed right. them at the same time. Yes. What is it? I can't figure out how to hold three kids. It's like, how about you put one of them yeah. on the floor? Whoa, situation solved. <laughs> oh, look, there's a baby seat right there. Oh, man. Now I have two hands. Perfect. Like, right, right. And he's like, how are you going to breastfeed? And it's like, one at a time? What's wrong with you, man? Like, 
<laughs> right. So mine was kind of going along with that same thing. If you want to practice with a baby, why not get those robot babies? I think that's going to be much more similar to real life than a stuffed animal. I don't know. I mean, it feels pretty contrived that they were like, hey, Shane, why don't you take these three brains and pretend they're babies? And he was like, okay. <laughs> like, they were just sitting there. Like, I, I don't know. It's definitely something you can't practice at. I kind of want to see him hold the baby for the first time. Has he ever held a baby? I don't know. That's weird. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Most, I think most men in general, if they're don't, ha- if they don't have like a family member or a really close friend that had a baby. Well, I mean, that's not, not like most interested. men. I mean, do, I mean, how would a woman hold a baby that's not hers unless she has a family member or a close friend that has a baby? Yeah. But I think like women are much more likely to be around babies than men are. Sure. They're definitely more likely to have like spent some time like babysitting in like high school and stuff right. too. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, Life After Lockup. So next week, we're coming back to our Love After Lockup. Finally. So, yes. I'm so yeah, happy. We get like, to I feel like this whole Destiny mini season, like, nothing happened, right? We did hear this triplet yeah. thing, but it took a long time to get there. Right, right. right. And then it was, and it's one of those things that could have been summed up in, like, uh, I could have used, like, one episode. Right. Right. Like a reunion episode. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, yeah. I don't feel, I definitely don't feel like we needed this mini season in the middle here. Right. Especially because yeah. I was like, I'm like, especially when they keep showing these previews on the commercials for like the second half of Life After, of Love After Lockup. And that looks way mm-hmm. more, way more interesting. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. Definitely so. excited for next week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll see you next week then. All right. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good.